Good day, Resistance, it's, uh, and good evening for those on a different time zone. And we're welcoming everyone to the show, which is Christianity Debunked, uh, Deprogramming Draconian Mind Control. And today has actually been quite a day, well, like really this week, and putting the show together, it's been so vast. Even um, we're going to actually do another show next week because there was an attempt to make this show interactive. And what we were able to do is we were able to present all the data, but, of course, we want to be able to uh, bring the publication with it, the pictures and the movies. But uh, first, I would definitely uh, like to say wholeness and balanced vibration to the resistance members. Also, uh, introducing my co-host, Sun. Wholeness. We wholeness that and, and uh, today is a special show. Basically, what we're going to do here is we're going to walk people through understanding exactly why it's important for us to understand and to stop delivering energy to any external source and also to encourage others to do the same thing. There's definitely something that is going on here that we are all involved with taking part in, which is making others aware of what exactly is going on. Just like you're becoming aware of what exactly is going on, you have the opportunity to pass that information to other individuals, and it will show to prove itself not only true, but also to be effective for that person's life if they're looking for heavy change and change in a positive direction. So what we're going to start talking about basically is a topic that is very lightly addressed in a lot of the esoteric circles. You either have an extremist who's explaining where Christianity came from, and at times they omit all of the, the details. They go into, well, you know, it's draconian, it's serpent, and then the, but they omit the details about where that exact origin comes from and who was involved. In addition, there's another scenario which also takes place, which is the individuals that attempt to prove the origins of things end up becoming somehow affiliated themselves because what they find out is they find out a very deep story about what's been taking place here on the planet. To understand the esoteric and the esoteric knowledge of Gnosticism and Christianity is to be in the face of the creator of this system, this particular matrix. And I'll explain that here in very thorough detail. But what I, before I even get into explaining any of that, I just wanted to talk about very briefly why it is me that just happens to be in a position to explain it from a level of experience. What I'm going to talk about later on in this document is how I don't really think anyone can discuss something of this type of nature in any full detail without having either been involved in it. You can't do it just from a level of study because the level of study itself is only going to take you so far. There has to be experience. So basically what you're looking at here is you're looking at a certain scenario that takes place in an individual's life. That individual just happens to be me at that point, but there is a lot of other individuals that are also out there that are experiencing and have experienced the same thing. And what this is about is in the beginning of coming into spiritual knowledge, most people come as children. They come as a state in which their parents are telling them what the religion is that they should choose. In addition to that, uh, I do have to pause the show for a brief second. I need to do a sound check here because I'm getting some feedback noise, and I want to make sure I don't keep getting interrupted.
because um, this is very, what's being rebuilt here is, is definitely no light matter at all as far as to do something of this type of nature. Again, one has to be very exact about what they're talking about. We all have a personal responsibility to one another, especially when you take any type of level as teacher, is to one, not only be truthful, but to also be very exact about what you bring forth. A long time ago, um, in my level of um, teaching, I was explaining certain things to an individual, and an old man was watching me, and then when I was done, because I was still very uh, brash in the ways of Christianity, the, and, but, and the gentleman I was speaking with was Muslim, but the old gentleman said, he said, you need to, he said, when you take someone's faith, you better be ready to replace it with something else, youngster, because then you leave them with no hope. What I have to tell men and women today is the only thing that they can replace faith with is themselves. You have to have faith in yourself. And I will show in very, uh, in very, um, in very high detail exactly what is going on with why that needs to be possible. So let, let's start here. I'm going to start with first childhood. Childhood for me basically was my mother was, was a Wahhab Muslim and that particular sect of Muslim is very, Islam is very strict. And it was then we weren't allowed to do things like eat salt, we weren't allowed to see horror movies, we weren't allowed to actually watch TV, we were given spiritual books as our, our way of, our way of life, our entertainment. And so I took to spiritual knowledge very young and I immersed myself into that world just as any other kid would immerse themselves into a world of, who knows, Transformers, a world of, of Harry Potter lore, whatever you want, whatever the world is presenting at that point. And, but for me, it was presenting this esoteric knowledge and the individual that stuck out the most to me was Solomon. I think any man that started to travel the path of Islam or Christianity or Jeshu and Muhammad, anyone that travels that path does definitely run into Solomon from both books. And it's Solomon that becomes most intriguing for men because I guess, you know, the first part is for the young mind, Solomon has lots of girls, and that's normally on the young boy's mind. But not only that, he has magic. He has magic. Let me, uh, I'm going to go ahead and take a, a quick break on the show really fast, and uh, I'm going to clear up some of the sound issues that are taking place so that way I don't continue to be interrupted. Or maybe we might have to do this for another time. So I'm going to ask Sean to put the show uh for a brief moment on to music, and I'm going to figure out what the sound issue is because I'm getting a lot of feedback on my end. So if you can go ahead and uh, put the music on. Cool. We are forward. Seven, are you on? Yes, I am. I'm on. Oh, I just got to take it. For those who want to, I do want to uh, let everyone know I figured out what on... Uh, is all related to basically there if you take every single letter in the English language and you put that letter in front of on you'll get the core of that letter and what it's related to like P is Pon, Don, Ron, John and you can keep going down through the whole English language and that is actually uh, what they call the power language and it's only when you get to the Sun is that actually the relationship between Basically, when, when the serpent takes on the energy, like even in Tibet, they call themselves the bond, B-O-N, and that's their energy. So we're going to go ahead and continue from where we, uh, where we left off at, and I think we do have our sound together here. And um, 
I just wanted to be sure that we got the clear audio available for everyone when uh, when the show starts again. Well, for which I'll do a new uh, a new audio for the show that you can get offline, and uh, it'll be clear, so you can get that from www.resistance2010.com. Also, on uh, this show can be followed. This is all uploaded to www.matrixunderground.com. You can actually follow along to what I'm going to be reading here in a moment as I uh, finish explaining what I had to explain about my childhood and. Um, my preliminaries into this. So basically what happened is, is that as a child I had already had an exposure to spiritual knowledge. And there was that attraction to Solomon, but as I got older, then that whole idea of, of being in, myst in mysticism or being any type of deliverer of God and in the army, as they call it, was completely removed out of my mind with the product of being in the society. Uh, there was also the abilities that I had when I was younger, which gave me a lot more um, connection to that spiritual world. And so if some ask, is the, is the communication with God by divine right? The only divine right is if a person wants to communicate with God and if the person wants to communicate with, with the Most High and how much intention they put into that. As you see, some people just can't put that much attention to it. Something is much more important to them. And so the only divine right is that when you feel inside that you have this calling to discover what's really going on out there and what's bigger and, and, and what created things, that's, that person presses into that. That's what determines what their divine right is. They sprout up everywhere within every race, color, creed, genealogy. There's really no way of telling except unless you're looking at auras who exactly those individuals are. So... I believe that personally what our faction caters towards is individuals that want to push a lot further in their spiritual understanding and understanding because they've experienced different things from different paths, but nothing has really given them what they needed to become perpetual. So basically what had occurred was once I finally decided to get, because my mother um, made a, transact, a transition from uh, Islam to Christianity during a phase in which um, after the result of what took place in Detroit with Elijah Muhammad and, and uh, other individuals that were now bringing up the Nation of Islam, which was a faction of the Islamic movement in the United States, which, to my understanding, was, is being headed up by Masons. So there was basically a division that took place, and there was uh, a lot of individuals who just split off altogether from the Islamic community and any parts of the Islamic community. Some went with Malcolm X and practiced like the Muslims practiced in the East, and uh, we did that for a while, and then some went and practiced like the Muslims practiced in the West. And what ultimately ended up happening is, is that the, the westernized Islam leads one back into Christianity. And so my mother made a, a point that when she was being converted to Christianity, that we were going to go to all the churches. Now, here's what's interesting. When sometimes you have to become... You have to listen very closely to if there's points in time in your life that you've experienced these same type of things and maybe just in a different set. If you're always trying to judge the individual that's speaking, then you don't get the message that's uniquely for you. So you, the message uniquely for you is that can you see in me somewhere where you were doing that on the path and I'm now showing you that you're here with the after effects of what I'm explaining now, meaning now I've become an individual that's telling you hey, you have your own power, you have your own energy. The gods is a whole different thing that people need to understand more, but it's very complex. But the fact of the matter is, is that 
you can do things without them. That's how it's always been. What's located inside of you is the same thing that's located inside of them. It's just they have a lot more ability at knowing exactly how to use that or what we call in the know. And so that's what my duty is to here to mankind and woman is to bring that information as I uncover it because I'm on the EverQuest. I'm, I've already agreed to go as high as I can and I'm pursuing the creator. And so that, that pretty much makes one, one's path endless. So what this is really about is, is that after we converted into Christianity, it, my mother found the most entertainment <laughs> at Pentecostal churches, holiness churches, uh, even non-denominational churches, apostolic churches. But we had already been to Presbyterian churches, um, Episcopalian churches, and there's clearly a, a different thing going on in, 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 uh, in these churches but mainly a rift between the ones who will call on God as they're giving it to you in their text and the ones that are just sitting there, amen, all kind of cut and dry. So, of course, there is a bringing up of spirit that takes place in Pentecostals and those type of churches. They're not just sitting around. They're not doing anything. And so as a child still, I experienced a lot of paranormal activity going on with individuals once they, once they got themselves into this ecstatic state which was uh, mainly uh, or predominantly by continuing to call one word over and over again, which in this case in Christianity was hallelujah, which is my, to my understanding means the sun is raised, but the sun in this case being job. Now, the reason why this show was put together also because there was a subtitle called Jupiterism, and that's what we're going to get into in the show about exactly how it's one particular family tree that's operating on a collective hive mind that is manipulating the powers and abilities of the human that continue to believe upon them instead of believing in themselves. So as I continued to accelerate through Christianity when I was younger, I actually became like a chore because I was in a household where the church was always demanded we had to go to church at least twice a week. And at a certain point, I said when I got out of there, I'd never go back. But as they say, when the seed is planted, it's planted. So anytime you get into a point in life where you're in trouble, then you go into wanting to call on God again. Like they are saying, uh, when the highest percentage of when an atheist is ready to believe in God is when they're in trouble. Because most people don't believe in God because they don't talk to God. They don't try to understand God. They don't, that's what belief is. You can't. Say, I believe in you, son, but you never come, go to his baseball games. You never do anything for him. That's not belief. That's just talk. And that's the other thing that we're separating tonight is the difference between talk and actually action because that's what I was really dealing with. i am not never been a big-time talker. Uh, I was really more about action. And now my action is matching my talking. So you can imagine how much action is taking place. So what this, what this action brought about was it brought about me wanting to un understand exactly how this prophecy, powerful Elijah Solomon thing was working in Christianity. And it was a simple equation for it. And if you go into any churches, especially of the African-American persuasion, they're going to tell you, son, you can go and tarry for the Holy Ghost. Now, this ghost just happens to be real. No one can really say that unless they've actually been in some of these sessions where these people have done enough praising and things to bring out this being, which seems to go under many terms, mainly Sophia, uh, sometimes under this, uh, the term Sirius, sometimes under the term Isis. What this is is some type of illumination spirit that actually has a way of 
transfixing and, and, and transforming the individual that is receiving this being in their body. Now, it's amazing because science will completely accept none of it. But it's totally going on, and we could all go catch it on camera if we really wanted to, if the church would just allow us to do it. Nowadays, some of these pastors, they want money so bad, maybe they'll allow you to even come in there and pay them some to do it. The thing is, is that I witnessed a whole paranormal world as a child where they were clearly in contact with something, and they were also encouraging me to do the same thing. Now, there was one instance where I had been told by some elders, some men that were elders, that been, they would take this time out for me to to go through this procedure. And as I began to call upon this name, I guess in about, I would say about 45 minutes as a child, I started the entire, but there was a, uh, what I felt was a stutter in my tongue at one moment, and then the gentleman stopped and he said, wait, do you see that over there? And it obviously stopped me from receiving this version of the spirit inside of me. And we looked, and in the corner of the church, there was what I still know is to be the second largest angel, if you want to give it that term, that I've ever seen. And I've always treated that as the point where something was going to happen at that moment, but there was something else that was looking out over me to make sure that it didn't. Later on, I figured out that as when you're sitting on a master number, if you know how to utilize it properly, you can really look into doors that no one can peer through and, and decide to come back from, but because you can stand on the feet just like a master and you're to create your own system for yourself, you get a chance to witness exactly how other systems are created without getting caught up in them. So I know that for sure has taken place from more of a factual level because through my life in my pursuit for uh, spirituality, because I became after a while what happens, uh, you become like a spiritual junkie. This means that you're really looking for your next paranormal experience. And there was very, there was a very active world that exists basically is what I'm saying. It was a whole other world that no one was really aware of unless you were somehow serious enough to see and pursue it. And then after you pursued it, it basically talked back to you. At that point, um, I'll start off what I'm, I'm going to, uh, what I'm going to be revealing here about this deprogramming of the draconian mind control. I say here a word doesn't become a world until you add an L. If you look at the spelling of those two words, you'll see that. What this is really about is it says getting with the word. So as I talk about it in the culture of the matrix, there is an actual way to emit words to create dimensions, but the word is not enough. You have to put God in the dimension. Because if you actually just keep creating dimensions and worlds and worlds and there's no one to fill them or no one in them, then what's the point? And so we learn really fast that as this next thing, uh, if, you're, if you're reading here, it says, this is the making of an external God. As it says, in the beginning, the Elohim said, us, said, let us make man. This is the making of an external God. As it states in the Bible in Psalms 82 and 6, I tell you, ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. And all of the scripture that I'm quoting here, I'm quoting exactly from the King James 1611 version only because that is the standard copy that was in publication and when Christianity swept through the Western world, and before then it was the Geneva copy. So you can easily go and type in King James 1611 PDF in uh, Google, and you'll get a fresh copy to download PDF, and uh, you can follow along on these scriptures if you would like, but they are quoted exactly. So right off the bat, the God of the Bible says, you're God, and you're children of the Most High. It says, how many more, I say, how many more times does one need to be told that they have within themselves what is necessary to rise, rise above all this? 
However, what are you rising from? Where are you going? What is there? And who will be with you? These questions will be answered by the depth, meaning that once you hit the, the level of a depthhood, this means that you're actually forging your own path rather than waiting on someone to forge it for you, then you have these type of questions answered because you realize that you have to actually think out certain processes. It's, it's your responsibility to, just like it's your responsibility to wake up. I say, since the proclaimed beginning of this current segment, which man and woman have found their spirits encased in physical bodies, most have been in constant service to the God. This can no longer be overlooked and imagined not to be so. There has been a constant track record to prove that just about all instruction, guidance, cultures, modes of life, and even languages themselves have been passed down from graduated life forms. These advanced life forms contain at their core the same thing we have within ourselves, the spirit which finds its original generation from the creator. This spirit is called the unbegotten because no one can decipher its origin or composition. I remember at one point I could really ask any question and get the answer to it as long as I kept asking that question long enough. But one of the only questions I never got an answer to until just recently was, what does it mean to be unbegotten? What does it mean to not have a beginning? And because we could, we could never fathom something from what I thought. We could never fathom something like that as from a, from a human standpoint because we've been created. So we don't understand anything that didn't get created. But what I realized that it was a much deeper thing. It didn't mean that it wasn't created at some point. It just means no one knows. No one was able to figure it out. And that is the thing about the spirit that just agitates most of the life forms that try to uh, become elite over the creator in a delusion is what exactly is the spirit made out of? Now, true enough, they figured out how to encase it and infuse it at times within certain life forms, but the fact is where it actually comes from and how to generate it, they don't know. So I go on. It says, in the Bible, there is a constant reference to ark. As it states, Noah was told to gather all the creatures in the ark in pairs. As a child... That story may suffice, but as an adult, one can be silly enough, if one can be silly enough to believe all the animals in the world were squeezed into a boat in pairs, I mean, that's crazy, but one should not discredit the story altogether, and it appears that there are several arcs or archives that hold knowledge of great proportion and vast intellect along with application. This is actually a command given of the gathering of DNA. Because many of us have already figured out the origin of what Noah is, or really, which is, the, which is another anagram for uh, the other spelling of the moon. And to understand what was being said was is to gather the DNA, to gather the, the life forms. Because what you're dealing with, if you can understand that the being that's working here in this particular point is creating certain things, they have to have, you can go a step further, they have to have something to create things with. And man has gotten smart enough to understand large parts of how to create things with DNA and how to, to grow tissue and different things of this nature. But again, if man has figured that out in this robotic, simulated, matrix-type world, no telling, of course, what, the, what the, uh, our predecessors had discovered with their abilities on how to come and terraform planets. Even with Mars at this point, uh, it shows that we're up there now terraforming it and making it habitable if that hasn't already happened. But it was to my understanding that this planet here called Earth was actually a complete sea. It had no land masses, but very, very small ones, if any at all. 
And when the planetary systems that are in the in the orbit now, as we see we have at least one asteroid, so that makes that makes it known that there was some type of impact that took place here at some point. It rose land masses out of Earth. So I go on and I said it can be now be proven that this current flesh or atom is an organic vehicle constructed by beings called gods to allow the habitants of the vehicle to traverse the plane called 3D under the limitations of the body. The body features five major shapes in its core geometry, an orb, a triangle, a square, a pentagon, and a hexagon. All but the orb itself are simply more complex triangles. There's a hidden mystery here. One becomes fully convinced that they are the body, which is the set side effect of looking into the mirror or looking glass for too long. They actually begin to believe that they are only flesh, along with the spirit inside of the body. It's so mystical and original. Basically, what I'm saying here is, is that when a person looks into the mirror constantly and imagines that that's who they are in the mirror, it becomes, it, this is what's called the looking glass, meaning that you're not the, what you're seeing in the mirror. You're on the other, you're the, the real part of you is what's inside. And you, and those who have uh, done any type of astral traveling or coming out of their body at all and have witnessed their body there, why they've done that, know exactly what we're talking about. It's, where your brain is actually encased in your aura, basically who you are, your information of who you are, and all this is actually in your aura, and the body is something of a separate nature that can act on instinct, and, and, and it can act uh, on repetition for a while, but it definitely needs the spirit and the aura to continue to go on. And I'm going to... I'm gonna, um, I'm going to pause a little bit on, on reading exactly through this, because what I wanted to do is I wanted to make this interactive, but more than anything, there are certain parts of this, instead of all of it just explained directly out like this, there are certain parts of this that I really want to get understood so that way I can get into other areas that are a little bit more light towards the end of the show so that I know that we have enough time. Basically, I'm just going to sum all this up really to a, a, a large part of the point. <laughs> a large part of the point here is that it's quite, it's quite uh, apparent that if the God of the Bible, who's known as Jehovah or Yahweh or Yahweh, has put its name in every sing just, just about every single spiritual book, then that obviously means that as far as from a spiritual level, this being is the one that has accomplished some level of something. And... and I want this, this level of something has, has completely allowed to stay finite and has allowed to stay cohesive together because it, they're actually all the same individual. When we show the interactive show next week, what we'll show is that when you look at who's supposed to be L, when you look at who's supposed to be Saturn, when you look at who's supposed to be Hades, when you look at who's supposed to be Zeus, when you look at who's supposed to be and all of these individuals, they all actually look the same because they come from the same tree, the same family. So I talk about here, I said, when one, when one realizes the play and escapes the false pretenses of the dominations of the body, they become spiritual beings, globules of etheric senses of great pleasure and perception and capable of the perpetual orgasm. They then inherit the persona of the creator, which is immortal, timeless, perfect in every way as they have become aware of who they are. It's that simple. Now we will show what has made it complex. 
because realistically the state that we're attempting to hit is the state of pure energy. It's a perpetual energy that we're looking for that exists within all planetary systems that have a lot of power and strength. And we witness that a fraction of that when the human body goes into the state that we call orgasm, and that's why orgasm is so similar to orgone. But there is a way that through the mind and through the cycling of the chakras, one could bring themselves up to perpetual states of this, and this would bring them into higher levels of, of realization constantly and perpetually, definitely allowing them to take on different frequencies and to be completely free of something like the body because you can't be held by the body once your frequency gets to a certain level, and that's why the spirit often comes out of the body. And lately, of course, most people are, are admitting that they're coming out of the body a lot more, even me, myself. So I go on and say, we call this, we call this the top of the net. You've discovered the mystery and are at the top of the net in the matrix. Now you await passing through total consciousness as you have already begun to venture out through lucid sleep, vision, and dream. The higher planes are destined to be your primary reality and you now and, 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 you, and, you, and you, now like, you now like what's up. Basically, when you start to see, and the world starts to see exactly what is, can be enjoyed in the higher states of the vision and the higher states of the consciousness, which can be achieved even while here in the body, it's already known at that point from experience that this is, this is what's up. This is exactly what I mean. Everything else hasn't been able to fulfill me like this because this is personal. This is going on inside of me, and it's changing me. I go on and say, when, when the wall is going, some people are wondering when the wall is going to open or when the portal awaits, and many are yet to figure out it's just recently opened up inside of them. And there's, of course, a little more to do, and this is the only reason why we are here. Basically, inside of the person, that portal, that cosmic, that galactic lineup is taking place inside. It's not taking place outside in, in space somewhere. That's the, that's the fractalized version of it. Inside of you is actually where it's taking place, and those portals are opened up. And that's what's allowing the information to come across the way the information is. Right now, we're saying and talking about things that would definitely cause some issues in the previous time segments that we used to live in. But at this point, it benefits everyone in this dimension because they have no answer for the population issue. The population issue is stemmed by, still stemmed and, 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 and uh, instigated by two things. One, everyone is living in cities. So because the government wants everyone to depend on them and domesticate them, then they don't want people to live in the country to learn how to support themselves. So they're all crowded in the cities. But it's still an issue with the population, but if they were spread out, it wouldn't be as bad. So the other thing is, is that, as you see, there's the Agenda 21, which is looming in the horizon as their solution for the situation, which is to just get rid of people in order to make more room on the planet. If they do that, they said they need to take out 350,000 people per month. Human beings are used to living in a level of sleep where none of this is their problem. That's how they treat everything. So there's certain one, there, there are certain of us that say, no, I need to get involved from what level? I'll tell you the level that you should get involved on is spiritually. Handling it from any other level, like politicians and things like that, is only maybe hitting at a leaf or hitting at the branch, but you're not going at the root. This has to be done on a spiritual level, and it's time for people to understand that, that dependency that they have upon what they call God, which is still different than the Creator, has inbred something inside of them where they're just not looking at things that are clearly in front of their faith. I go on and says, life is very active. I can tell you already, once you pass through, once you pass through, you again surround, you're surrounded by individuals. 
but this time it is much, much different. Those you exchange with are awake and aware. They are living life while what lies below are the sleepers. For the view of many, it is utterly amazing our insistency to wake up the sleepers that do not know to care. Life comes in levels, with each level separated by a buffer that allows one not to cross into the other's, the other's world, although they are both visible to each other. For, for you to understand how this whole world is set up is like a layered pyramid where you can sometimes be perceptive of who's on top of the pyramid, but there's a buffer between you and that individual. That is just how things are working. In this particular level of things, what we're doing is we're giving information to people who are really asleep. When you notice what's going on and the sheer idea that people are not thinking about it at all, the only state that can be concluded from that is sleep. So, as I say, life comes in levels, and with each level separated by a buffer, because that buffer allows everyone below it to believe that they're the only ones that are there. Like when you start to get higher, you're, you're conscious of what's going on below you. But if you're making up the masses, you believe that you're the only one there, especially if everything that's below you is an invisible phantom. Now, the thing that, uh, that most magicians know and people who practice into the occult is they've seen that lower world before because that's normally what becomes visible to them when they start playing around with talismans and things. And so the higher worlds are already aware of us, but the lower world indeed are, are, are something that we can become aware of ourselves and, and, and many people have become aware of that. And so that is, um, that's the standpoint that a lot of people are is that they don't believe that there's something out there that's definitely working and, and in existence and that has just as many people, meaning that when you get in the know, you immediately become perceptive of a whole group of people that are also in the know and you're communicating with them now and they're giving you information and saying here's what's going on. And then when you take it upon yourself to go and give that information to the people that are not in the know, that's really a unique, uh, a, a unique position because what you're doing at that point is alchemy. Alchemy is the ability to convince basically individuals that are asleep to wake up. It's basically taking a person's mind that is not calibrated to think of higher things like hyperdimensional travel and somehow get them into that state of mind and even get them into the ability of doing it. The mind, I believe, and seeing that it's very powerful, all a person, a, a large amount of um, what a person is able to benefit on is just what they believe they can do. Most of it's in encased in belief, and then the rest of it's encased within things like alchemy and, and, and uh, of the alkaline, actually the alkalinity of the body and the levels of energy. So I say here, you see principalities and rulers sometimes on TV, such as the Queen of England and the Pope. However, this does not mean you can go and talk to them, or should I say, it exists on another level minus the argument if, if that level is lower or higher. It is obvious that the Madden Dreamer who is fed up with oppression would say she is lower. However, the realist would immediately recognize her as higher and would then go into action on finding a way to rise above even her as they are more, as they are mere emperors or low, and lords and, uh, of imps. So surely they are, they are higher because what's really going on is, is that they're with the ego and the advent of the ego and people not doing sober estimates of themselves, as I say in the, the, next, the next sentence, people imagine that, well, I'm smarter than them, and, and, and uh, we've always had the, inher the inheritance and the heritage of something great and noble. All of that is still talk until one puts things into action. 
And if you haven't put anything into action and you've been maybe asleep, as we all have, you can't be surprised if you wake up and then all of a sudden you see around you that there's been some type of queen or commander or conqueror of some type of sort that's been put over you while you're asleep. Now at that we're awake, we're looking at the controllers in place. As I go on, I said, but to see this one must be real and at least sleepwalking. One thing that has to become clear is the reoccurring in all religious circles is that the involvement of the Neferu, also called the Netters and the Elohim, these beings have been reported in time again as assuming human form. These forms are sometimes a little greater in stature than the current edition of man, and they appear to, they appear to as time, they are time lords as they come up and they appear, and that comp, and, and they comprehend the navigation of the fourth dimension, and have even set up certain locales and waypoints within it. These beings were accompanied with special powers, but more simply, their chakras were turned on. Let it also be clear the chakra is a unit of the spirit and not the body. The body has organs and they can work abilities through sound. But basically, there is a reoccurring story that happens within all spiritual dogma, all ancient stories of larger, more advanced beings coming and getting involved with humans. I believe personally that the play that these beings were didn't were also devoured, uh, endowed with the spirit is what's being always ignored. That these beings contain the same spirit that the beings that they were attempting to manipulate had inside of them also. But the spirit is what was being manipulated. It was the the cunning of going external. If we look at the world today and we look at the religions of the world today, all you really see is the beckoning for man and woman to go external and to believe that their God or uh, what they're now terming the Most High is how they put it in their text, that their God is equivalent to the Creator, that their Creator actually came down in the form of a man and, and did all sorts of things. And that belittles the level in your mind of what exactly the Creator is when a person begins to do that. And But that started as a child, so that's what's called programming. If it's not deprogrammed properly, the person can believe, oh, well, yeah, I'm free of that, I don't believe that anymore but in the back still carrying the traits that are associated with still believing that, which is, one, the inability to stand up for oneself when you see something that is not being not right and not coming across the right way. You have to address it as it is, no matter who and what it is. We all live here on the planet Earth together, and if we see something that's jeopardizing everyone's visit here, then that's when we have the opportunity to speak out. And it's only because how these deities have depicted themselves as being able to do basically whatever they want, people have allowed them to do as such and have not even challenged them in times in which their own kids have been up for grabs. Like as we see, in this world, the main thing is child sacrifice. If you look in China, which has the largest population, that's where it's going on the most. But if you also look at the United States, things like abortions target the first child of the mother. And that was done on purpose. And so there's a lot of involvement that go on with the beings that are all connected that we're showing here where they're pulling their energy from, in essence from, that people have the opportunity at this point, mainly through worship, which is, as I talked about on the subtitle, worship, by ceasing to worship. Because when a person begins to get involved with these things, as I'll show, they put themselves into a battle that is strictly inclusive to the beings themselves, which apparently have come from the, uh, from the star system Orion. The human being itself can opt out of this war because it doesn't have anything really to do with them. My personal war going on right now is to get human beings to wake up, to opt out of the war of the God, 
which the human beings can't withstand for the simple fact that their spirits are not graduated as such. These beings have trained themselves for war over aeons and do that in how it plays out as a fractal as humans are sometimes used. So, as I say here, when your chakras are turned on, the level that you have of power is even greater most of the time, especially demigods, so, which is the gods of the lower world. So the real situation that has been taking place here is that the first visitation between the being that we're calling man and the, and the Neferu or the Nephilim, which were supposed to be sons of God, was they came down activated and showed off and said, hey, we could do this, we can do that, and then they were immediately taken upon as gods. And that's why in every single ancient text, no matter where you go, you get this same depiction of the same individual that everyone's stamping, that this is God. It's really only until right now, and they're close associating God with the Creator, it's only until right now that fully conscious, being fully conscious has us actually comparing stories with one another and seeing that we've all been told the same story as far as religion is concerned, and that we now all have, as it shows in the Bible, when there's a, a confusion of language. It says that man is, is all in one accord, they're all speaking the same language, and they go to accomplish something, and then the God of the Bible says, hey, let's go stop them and confuse them, because if they keep doing this, they'll eventually reach the most high, in so many words. So what we're looking at is, and I'll show definitely the scriptures to support that, but what we're looking at basically is the malicious involvement that has kept people from the God, from, from the Most High, has kept people from the Most High by allowing them to be diverted, their attention to be diverted to, to other beings that have a whole story and things going on that keep the humans basically entertained. So I go, knowing is simply not enough, it's just the beginning. Many things that will, will be presented here are obviously, are obvious and right in the face. It may be of value to look at oneself when this is over and ask, why didn't I not see that? It was right in front of my face. The seeker is always having these kinds of moments. It is then you will discover that it is not that you did not see it. It is something else that gauges when, it, what time, when it's time that you actually see it and when you're ready to see it. Because what's happened here is that all of this has been, this has been going on since 1930s, 1920s, 19-whatever, and there's been very few people to come out and say anything about what's actually happening. It happens in small groups. And those small groups take the information like the resistance is relatively small group compared to the population in the world. So there's a certain small group of people that take the information and excel with information, and, and that's generally what tends to happen. There's never a time in which everyone gets the information all at one time. That's one of the, uh, the ideas that we have. We think it's just called the hundred monkey, or basically where this becomes so uh, active for a person to become activated that it starts to spread to other individuals just through contact and just through thought rather than through them going through actual study and things of that nature. But basically, what I'm talking about here is that I say they have grossly miscalculated how much time the human race can exist if the ideas of this current regime can't come to fruition. Earth cannot continue as an unconscious warship. The time in which has been calculated for how long that everyone is to be here is pretty much fine. It is actually not even really thought about by most individuals, but by those that call themselves scholars, they've given years and years into the future of when human life will still be in existence. 
But that would be, of course, if human life was just allowed to continue at the rate that it is now without any involvement from, from uh, uh, individuals that, that see that they need to do some level of depopulation. But the level of depopulation is really going to come regardless. So if they would allow people to, to go into inner space, meaning that it will get to a point where there's too many people here on Earth, whether it's going to be three or four years from now or whether it will be 40 or 100 years from now, if at this rate, it would be a, a, a point where there would be too many people here. So how do societies get into situations where there's too many people actually in one area? That seems to only come about when the spirit has been neglected and the fleshly body is what's in play because flesh is what fills up the mass. Flesh is, is what covers things. Spirit can exist in small spaces and still be totally conscious. And so I'm going to go on here. I said, this is why the God of the Bible, who is YHVH, also known as uh, Yahweh, or YHWH, also known as Yahweh, uh, or Jehovah, also called Job, known by the Greeks as Zeus, who is Esus, even has Saturn or Satan in his retinue because they are all into the same thing. They all spring forth from the same tree, and there is something about them on an entire, there is something above them on an entirely different level that they are in constant awe of. And this, this confusion ensues amongst the beings themselves that they are sons of an already quarrelsome father god. This is the nucleus behind the Orion Wars. Some of the gods are called Baals, which is synonymous for, the Lord, for Lord in English, since the Baals are always fighting and proclaiming each other great over the other, like, like Joseph's brothers. Such situations ensue when one begins to re-edit the main work when they all document their legacy, that they all document their legacy in, which is the Bible. History, not yours per se, it begins as such. This Bible in itself is their basic log or chronicle of, of their wars. As you see in the Old Testament, there's many wars and there's many names mentioned there. If you understand Kabbalah, you can see where gods are being created and gods are being destroyed. As it says here in, in Ephesians 6 and 12, Jesus exclaims they are in a war, not with flesh and blood meaning that humans do not matter. They are wrestling against principalities and rulers, etc. So they want you to join their war that has nothing to do with you. And I will show that they are basically brothers who now have become serpent brothers, if they always weren't, warring against each other, and you can just opt out and enhance yourself. Now, I don't know personally if who these beings originated with, which is something I talk about on the site, is if they originated as serpents because there are a lot of works to, to support that they were surely spirit beings, as we all really are, and they can choose to take on certain traits. And, of course, as we see them, their involvement with genetics and things of that nature obviously shows that they could do such things that they wanted to make their own spiritual or actual physical body in this case. So at some point they ended up blending with the serpent. So whether that was always the case or not, I'm not sure of, but at this point, they are all entwined in bloodline. So here, the statements are made as such. I am the Lord, and there is none else. Now, it's in the beginning of the Bible, and that's Isaiah 54, uh, 45 and 7. It's in the beginning of the Bible. It says, in the beginning, the Elohim, which is plural, make man. And then here we are in about the middle of the Old Testament. It says, there's no other but me. This is exactly what I'm talking about when... And notice the word, the word Lord is now being used here rather than the traditional Bible where it actually included the name of the Tetragrammaton there. But there is a difference between the Lord and the, te and, and the Father for, uh, 
in, in these bloodlines because basically what happens is, is that there's always a fight that goes on between the father and the son to usurp the father from the throne. And so the story goes is that Uranus and uh, uh, Uranus and Saturn uh, went to war and there was a removing of, of one's genitals. So basically what you have here is they have sons fighting fathers, they have wars going on, and this is all of what the human beings are invited to come enjoy in. Have fun. It says here in Psalm 5 and 4, For thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness, neither shall evil dwell with thee. So David is explaining that, that, that God doesn't take pleasure in wickedness and he has no evil inside of him, but in order to create evil, it has to be inside of you. And the scripture says there is no part of that that exists in God. So basically, I have hundreds of such contradictions, but some of them are far more important than others. And the constant contradictions are ignored by the believers, and it's putting them into further states of sleep. The whole book itself is a mind job of great proportions and should be considered as such. Prophecy is a plan to profit. The idea is to rewrite the future and past so people can alter their true inherent beliefs of what they really are. The character of Jesus is alive as a free-reigning thought form now. But it should be clear that he never physically walked the earth during the time he, he was said to. Again, he may be walking through dimensions now because that is just how magic works. It works off people's beliefs. They already understand that when you put millions of people's beliefs into something, you could, it manifests. So that's evident. But the fact of the matter is if you want to draw back, there was draw back into history, there was no writings about Jesus except for four that came from scholars that were proven to be plagiarized, but there's over, I think here, there's about 20 scholars that were also around during that time that recorded nothing. And I said, out of all these historians around during the time of Jesus, none of them ever recorded him, not to mention Jesus was, with, uh, was also with 12 disciples. If 13 men are together healing the sick and opening heaven in front of everyone, Nobody will miss telling that story, especially if it's their whole lifestyle, too. Because some of the miracles that are proclaimed in the Bible, if any person is seeing that and witnessing that, that is going to spread so fast, and then you would easily have one of these historians who are always looking for something to document that would pick up that story and say, okay, then we're going to go ahead and uh, write about this, and we're going to even go and do a personal documentary. These guys are no more than reporters seeking to put their name in history or in the great library, so they're going to be tracking down every single story of this type of nature that can be told. And uh, I go on and say, all these scholars were around during the time Jesus and the twelve proclaimed the move about, and no one logged it. As I mentioned earlier, all these beings spring from one particular tree, and thus they are on a collective hive mind, such as the same system the reptilians are noted to be on. This is why the God of the Old Testament is so adamant about keeping the bloodline pure. That also exists with the so-called elite of today. Also, it is now clear that since they continue to cut themselves off from their original source, they are on the decline as far as spiritual energy and power. Because they continue to, uh, and I'll finish here, it says their God has become science or scion, and science has limitations of discovery. Discovery is limited by the mind that attempts to make the discovery. This is why they have to use someone else, everyone else's mind to figure things out. This was the Enochian command given that the universities or universities should be erected and minds should be formed to the will of the controllers. The controllers, in trying to go in the opposite direction of the creator and still trying to become the creator themselves, have leaned on science. But unfortunately, science is, is something of even the imagination itself. So when you limit your imagination, you limit your level of discovery. 
because as they were showing, when a real, a real experiment is taking place in the laboratory, it's determined by the mind state of the individuals that are performing that experiment after a while. And especially when you're dealing with anything from a level of portals, if you're going to open up portals, that generally has to be done from an individual, like they call the, uh, in the Montauk chair, it's controlled by the person who's sitting there. So there has to be someone's mind that's strong enough to actually be able to comprehend the information coming across the portal. And they've cut themselves off from the information because the portal itself is cognizant, being that the most high determines who comes across the portal and not when it comes to uh, getting higher. The vials are constantly interacting with men. They are also called angels. Here are a few of the collective we will be discussing before, but before we do, it should be clear that everyone in this world is not Canaanite. There were people here before their segment, just as there will be people after it. And saying that a person cannot reach the Creator unless they grow through your God is ridiculous. Many things have come into existence that know nothing of this small rock called Earth. So to say that they would even need to go to reach the Creator, I said to say that they would need to, need to reach the Creator because of something on Earth they have no way of knowing about shows just how foolish many have been. All the other things that exist out there on Earth, if there's only one way to the Creator and they got to go through on something that exists on Earth, that doesn't even make any sense. That's foolish. And I said, what is the value is for everyone to understand this whole thing means prison to the mind. Or as this word we uh, decoded means pre-Zion. Here we have Uranus, Uranus, El, the bull god, Cronus, Saturn, Hermes, Mercury, St. Germain, Eliphaz, Levi, Zeus, Jesus, Isu, Oceanus, Osiris, Oannes, Janus, Two-Face, Fork-Tongue, Dagon, Pendragon, Baal, Baal, Abel, Baphomet, Odin, Wooten, Votan, Vulcan, Venus, Veracultra, Vera, Vera Quatacodal, Enoch, Moloch, Hanok, Tubal-Cain, Smith, Noah, Utnefishtin, Abraham, the Brahmin, not a singing group, Isaac, Jacob, Nimrod, Melchizedek, King Hiram of Tyre, Michael, and the devil, Christ, the Antichrist, Satan, and the saints, Lucifer, the light workers, Leviathan, the Levite priest, and of course their consort, Asherah, who is also Hera. So when, for, for the person that's looking at that in, in studying, when you see all those names, you really see how they're all connected with each other, even by the way that they're written there. And then doing a little bit more studies, but you see as, um, there is actually a, should be on the interactive site, which is, again, on www.matrixunderground.com. There should be an actual picture of this pantheon that exists under Oranus. I say all these beings and their various stories and quarrels with one another should be looked at as one big dysfunctional family with the sole ability of being in the know about certain things. This is how they control, by keeping you out. We will fix that. Many of these beings are the same thing. Just as it is still a custom for a mother or father to name the child after them, this was even a greater trend in the old days, as you can see with the royal families. You have Louis XIII, you have Prince Philip IV, etc. So basically, there was always a renaming of sons and daughters and sons and daughters. And again, their spiritual ability is much different than what man is experiencing now because they had the knowledge of certain things on how to turn it on, how to become perceptive of it, and they were even able to create certain external things like glasses that allowed you to see the other realm where you didn't need a third eye. So this is the family that has continued down the line, and they are intending to be continuously worshipped as gods. The fight that continues amongst them all is who will control what. 
by rising through principalities and getting people to believe in them to boost their energy, just like the world parliament and the politicians. If you do not believe in them, they begin to threaten with untold atrocities, but their favorite punishment is fire. They are fire gods and they take pleasure in burnt offerings and holocausts. Volcanoes are named as such because of Volton and Volcan. And because the so-called elite feels as if they are, they must act out for their icon or gods as devas, they pelt their foe with nuclear, uranium, and plutonium arsenals. They are fire gods. This is their emblem. And that's why there's always candles and things around anytime there's ceremonies and things taking place because they heavily believe in the power of fire, which exists everywhere. A flame can be uh, lit anywhere. And when they act out as they believe they are gods on this realm, or at least demigods, they can be uh, even accredited to being, they use these type of weapons and things that they've developed to basically emulate what they believe their god is. Going on here, I say, Cain in the land of Nod. Cain's true genealogy is separated between two stories. The Bible, of the, the one in the Bible is known to be incorrect. In addition, as many of these names do, do not just describe a person, but a whole race of beings, do keep that in mind. When one says Cain, you're talking about a whole generation. When one says Abel, when one says Eve, or when one says Adam, you're talking about a whole generation or a whole group of beings, not just one person. So I said if, if, if it is either Cain is the offspring or union with Eve and the serpent Samuel, which is the story that holds in the Kabbalah, or between a random union between Adam and Lilith, which is also the story that's uh, located in, the, I believe, um, the, Mes the Meserath, and also the parts of the Talmud. So basically, it's already known that from the original text that Cain was, as they say here, was a, a seed of something else that wasn't directly related to Adam and Eve. We don't want to get in here to, into here of who's good, who's bad, who did. That's not going to get anyone anywhere. We're just detailing the story here. It goes on, I said, it also appears very vividly that there is ability to create spirits with words. Basically, the Kabbalah is a hybrid legal system with unpredictable outcomes for the novice who evokes in carelessness. Magic does not tolerate disbelief. It is very real. I say that on my feet and not on my knees. When you know who you are and the unlimited space of who you shall continue to be, nothing can convince you edgewise, demons, men, or gods. Understand that what you see in all this, because a lot of people, they read all this stuff and they do one of two things. They either get immediately afraid and they start to look for some type of God or something that can protect them, and they end up getting involved in the system, or they neglect the belief of it for the simple fact that they don't have anything as an option to latch on to after that. I will tell you, all these stories that you're hearing about these gods and what they do and what they're capable of doing, one can be exempt from when understanding the power of themselves. But because most people have their power tied within other things, it's not just the gods. Even though what the gods have done is they've started manifesting themselves as other things. They've manifested themselves as computers and named themselves as such. They've manifested themselves as Barbie dolls and named themselves as such. So the thing is, is that but there's something that every person has to look to, even if they don't necessarily get involved with church and things like that, that may be pulling their energy and allowing them to be distracted from exactly where their power actually is. Because one can get off the planet at any point, but this true sign of that is the process that you see me going through at this point. And that's why I want to share this process with everyone so that, one, that is documented. Two, this is a path that is basically down a, a path that not many people travel because it's easier to go with all the gods. 
it is a lot easier to say, take this and say, okay, I can just believe upon this, and then I'm just going to go with that, and then I'll just wait and see what happens. But then you'll be waiting. So I say Lilith is sized by the lily, and that lily is the fur of leaf. Of course, the controllers claim to be from the bloodline of Christ, which in turn is linked to the bloodline of many kings who, call, who, who have proclaimed their allegiance to Lucifer out in the open. When you look at the, the Christian bloodline, because they do make sure they give you the whole bloodline, which was kept by the Templars and the Knights Templar, there were many kings that were listed in that bloodline that were sworn uh, uh, supporters and worshippers of Lucifer. Once again, that, the play is, is that they are all the same thing. They work on a collective power. It is the only way they can succeed, and they are failing at it. Even part of their own collective have overcome them and broken free. This is the story of the golem or the dobi that gains the third sense and is endowed with the ability to engage. A machine waits to be engaged just like a computer does. Many people just waiting, or as I say, wait, like the, the physical wait, doubt it not that they're getting heavy and going into a deeper sleep opposite thing is also happening. Many are becoming very awake because what's happening is, is that many people have been caught up in their systems for a long time and just didn't know. But because they're finding out, they're actually leaving. And all the spiritual recourse that depends upon how involved they really are and didn't know it, the spiritual recourse that comes behind that as far as what they send to try to steer you back in the other direction is being overcome and beat back. And I say here, Cain is the Canaanite archetype. Type. He is Smith. As it says, he, it says in the Bible that Cain, Cain was a smith. He made weapons and swords, just as Smith in the Matrix. This is why another part of the Matrix deception was to show Neo merging with Smith in the end. The word knight is, in, is as in the Knights of the Round Table, is nothing more than the word K, the letter K in ites. So it's Canaanite. Cain is Khan, Cohen, Coin, Khan, King. Cain is said to be entombed in a subterranean chamber in the center of the earth. He is said not to be not to be dead, but eternally sleeping, where his dreams or ideas still affect the thoughts of mortal men. This myth continues that on the arrival of the new golden age, Cain will return to shepherd his flock of believers who are preparing his way on the surface. This is coming right from their books. It is highly possible that the giant man depicted in the invented golden age of Aquarius is Cain. And as many of the, uh, of the esoteric authors have written, be careful if he pours out his bucket. This story itself is identical to Cthulhu and many of the other dreaming gods, such as Orpheus, who they try to depict as Morpheus in the Matrix. These are half-dead gods suspended in animation. Such are the secrets passed around in, the ancient, in ancient Egypt about the living, living after dissension as vampiric demigods. Because the actual path is laid out even more uh, smoother in the beginning of, of creation, meaning that in the beginning the rules are very clear. It's only now that we're having to sift through things and see what exactly that was told to us that was the truth and what was exactly a lie. But back in the past it was very clear because people were a lot more closer to the Creator. Beings were a lot more closer to the Creator. So once beings chose to turn away from the Creator, they knew what direction that they were going in. And that left them half dead in suspended animation. It's talked about this in a lot of the Atlantean novels about how they have to communicate with these beings, but they do control things from a dreamlike state. 
which I also believe is why there's so much control over our dreams with why when we wake up, the dream is immediately gone, almost as if it's, being re- it's been removed. But, of course, there's ways to train the mind so that it can't be removed. Writing down dreams and things of that nature and getting more into that allows you just to remember. So everything that they can do that they barely can do with their weak power, like the fluoride and different things of that nature, one can easily counteract with something. But that also means to be active. When you're active, you just don't do certain things because you realize you don't need to repeat the lesson over and over again. That's what it means to be active. That's when you show the responsibility of being active. Or else, if you're in control of something that's very powerful, and then it gets out of line for one moment, it destroys many things. So I say here, it is true, the masses of people do not do things until they feel it is most necessary. This is domestication. Even the fleshly man is no, no, no longer a wild animal. Is not, not long. Let me repeat this again. Even the fleshly man is no longer a wild animal. He's being domesticated. Because back in the days, you would always get these pictures and things of these barbarians and just how wild they are. That doesn't even exist anymore. The barbarian state of mind on this dimension would have probably already overthrew the controllers if it was given uh, the ability to use the Internet. Because they would have figured out what was going on, it would have got pissed off, and it would have went right into whatever the problem was. So I say, you know, waiting to be fed, waiting to be instructed, waiting to be terminated. Always waiting. Waiting on Jesus, waiting on the Mahdi, waiting on Horus, waiting on Q. You get the point. Here I have here, I'm going to insert, because like I said, we're going to do this show once again next week, but we're going to do an interactive. I have, they said it was only 16, but I have 22 crucified saviors that many people died waiting on and are probably coming back waiting and dying again. The imagery says everything. It is the man of strength beaten to a pulp, humiliated, then put on a cross. They are not marketing the risen Jesus. They prefer the crucified one for, for a particular reason. When the true spirit gets wind of what is happening and wakes up, time is literally over. In addition, many of these gods are forgotten. They are also called the forgotten ones. They are being re-erected by mortal man and woman in their fascination with worship. These beings, which also include man-gods, carry the title once dead but now alive. The unconscious worshiper is being used for such tasks. Now, notice there are a few gods, including Jesus, that say, once I was once dead, but I'm now alive. What this is about is that there's a whole, uh, there was one book that was written by the Arabs that was supposed to be destroyed but didn't get destroyed called Al-Azif. And in this book, it, cre- it had a, a knowledge about these beings called the Forgotten Ones, which is the, the basis of the Theosophical Society and the, the, the uh, Arts of Cthulhu. But basically what they're doing is they're opening up dimensions to beings that were intentionally by, I, don't, I, don't, I can't say it was the creator, but I can definitely say it was by higher beings, put into a level of where people would never know that they exist because of their level of atrocities and things that they do to innocence. Because of this fascination with worship that's been brought about in countries like Russia and Germany, which is extremely gothic, really to a level of necromancy, they've brought this ancient knowledge and they're trying to bring it forth into the modern mainstream and bring these gods back to life. And so when they do come back to life, they always say, I was once dead, but I'm now alive again. And that means that they've now been remembered because it is a curse to have your have your uh, forgotten. And that's why everyone on this plane in particular should do as much as they can to have something of positive, positivity, especially surrounded by their name, so that what is remembered about you is something positive. 
I go on and say, these types of people will always be the workers, the ones that are bringing these, these things back. They'll always be the workers, not the owners, the members, but not the pastor, the disciples, but not the guru. So in this state, they will never know until you realize it is entirely up to you and you alone to get up and to get ready to trek higher in your existence. You will remain in dominion, being subconsciously controlled by the deluded and those not thinking clearly for various reasons. They suffer from ideas of supremacy, which are the most infectious to the cloud, to clouding the mind. This is called the chosen one program. It is very difficult in this time to dissect and break down any of this, na this nature, anything of this nature, unless you have been involved from its highest level. This is always the trouble with religious dissertations and debunking. You either have to, you, you either have those who have been, have uh, read every single book about it and have judged it as such, but of course they've never attended in spirit and in truth. When I attended Christianity, I was attending in spirit and truth. When I was attending Islam, I was attending in spirit and in truth. And that's when I discovered an interface with the beings that exist there. The last being that I interfaced with before I realized that I didn't really need to interface with any more beings except for myself was this being called the Tetragrammaton. That is the God of the Bible. That is this fourth dimensional God that can manifest anything on this third dimension because everyone here is below it. The beings that exist on fourth dimension have mastered time. So it is also to my understanding that these are serpent-like beings, although they don't represent themselves as such. They remain hidden. So we'll keep going here. I said it is very difficult in this time to dissect and break down any of this. Now keep going. The next, the next paragraph it says, in addition, you have those who are just blindly following along using the same technique as many of our short-lived ancestors. That is the one that is, that is the one of blind, unwarranted trust. Our ancestors in history have been forced in many cases to be worshipers. Such states are not normal. They like to say that the animals are worshiping the creator too. That's what they say. They, in a lot of these books they say, well, all the animals worship the creator too. Well, that is the clue that they, that they are not worshiping any way like man is, and they do not sacrifice, and they don't have ceremonies, and they don't have any of that, any of the likes of that. So if we're truly worshiping the creator, then that comes with just being. Like you see the animals and the insects, if they're worshiping the creator, if they're on a mole where they're worshiping the creator, and they're just living our daily life, then that's how we should be doing it too. We shouldn't be sacrificing and doing all these different things that are, that are entailed with the gods. But understand that what the gods are attempting to do is fuse themselves with the creator all the time. But it becomes very sticky, and, 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 or, it doesn't actually, or it doesn't actually fuse together very well when you get, see the personality of the gods. And then you understand the power of the creator. There's no way that the gods and the creators can be the same because the gods admit to making mistakes. If one is saying that they made a mistake, then that's a really primitive level of thought because everything happens for a reason in the world of, of the creator. You create things and they become. You didn't make a mistake. So we'll keep going with this. It says, I, I, I will be clear, reverence is sometimes at hand and there is no harm in casting crowns. It does talk about in some of the ancient books of when we were all in, in, in higher states of being that we would just sit at times and cast our crowns off to each other for making it into a high level of being. So I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but this is, this is no different than watching a magnificent act and admiring the actor for their, their splendid performance. However, if one starts to look upon the actor as some type of savior, a scapegoat, genie in the bottle, 
or a possible way to cheat or get ahead in life through some unseen advantage, this becomes questionable and should be paid careful attention to. This is the borderline. This paragraph right here is the borderline that most people are on when they deal with the deities and the gods. They want to rub it like a bottle. And I can actually admit myself that in certain times, even the sheer want of going and ascending is almost like the genie in the bottle effect when you're looking for a god to help you ascend. You're saying, I want ascension. So everyone can be guilty of doing this at some point. But notice there's a level beyond even this, which is somewhat curious, but not exactly the folly itself. As I say here in the next paragraph, if this goes a step further and the person is then willing to prostrate themselves, beg and entreat, bequest, or even sacrifice what is precious to them, then they have become open to the infectious force that is being quarantined from the galaxy, the worshiping worships. What's happening now is, is that if a person is so blinded in admiration and feels like they need to beg, prostrate themselves, and entreat something, even sacrifice to it, basically giving up their energy to it, this is the infectious force, that force that's being removed from the galaxy because this is exactly what's allowing things not to be able to support themselves. When they're getting out into higher levels of existence, they're always looking for something beside what they created themselves. This creates something like a droid-type being or a robot that's waiting for an engagement rather than being creative and doing something on their own. And then in the meantime, while the person's being unconscious, the world itself is being used as a collective hive mind to do things in the systems in which it's crossing because it's moving. So you can look at it as a ship, and because everyone is here worshiping, you create a worship. I said these days a person is easy to determine something as true when they either, one, have an experience in, it, in that, and in, in that's life-changing, such as gym reflection and deities or spirits themselves, gym reflection with the deity or spirit themselves. This means actually coming in contact with the being. Or two, they have people that have, they know that, that they have respect for that are involved so that they are taking blind advice and direction from them. Or three, they're following the masses, assuming that one out of the millions involved, involved, someone has done their homework about the authenticity of what is being believed. Meaning that these are, to me, the three main reasons why a person gets involved with spirituality. They either at some point have a mystical experience. At another point, they have someone that they respect, like a mother or father, that's gotten them involved and they've just taken the advice. Or they didn't see, they, they weren't really religious or anything at all, but when they got time, when it got time for them to be that, they looked to what everyone was really doing. Like the bandwagon person, they go, what, what are most people involved in? Oh, they're doing the yoga, they're doing the new age thing. Okay, I'm going to do that now. So this has left the world in the state that it's in now, and thus there are only two types of people, those who truly know and those that are not in the know. Those that are not in the know are further divided into two factions, those who are pretending to know and those that could care less. That's all that you have here on this dimension. When you see it as that, things become a lot more simpler and you get a lot more energy to take care of what you need to take care of because you realize. You can see a person and, and, and really make a determination whether they're in the know very fast from a short conversation. So you, it's two type of people here. The elite, they know. So their conversations, they don't tend to have conversations with people that don't know because what is that conversation going to be about? 
So I go on and says, there is a famous story in the Bible that begins with the 12 tribes. And of course, the 12 tribes are meant to mean all the descendants of Earth, but more importantly, all the descendants of the quadrant of space, which is called the sea or the holy sea. This is the 12 signs of the zodiac that govern the procession of the character traits and the influence on Earth. There is also a hidden 13th sign. This works no different than, than bad company. Certain strong celestial bodies place themselves at certain points to influence the composition of newborn stars. Although one can be influenced by a strong celestial body, just as they are influenced by their parents' traits at times, all things are within the power of the mind, and many discover their uniqueness beyond pre-programming. It appears also there is not just programming going on when one is on this dimension, but a level of pre-programming that takes place, because when a person is born, they have certain traits. And these traits that they mapped out are a product of where the person actually appears in that constellation and what the major systems in, in that area are, be, are, are, are of influence, which they call the animals of the zodiac. So as in Genesis 11, 7 through 8, it says something here that is really going to take the show to where it needs to be and where everyone needs to be in mind. Because there's something that takes place in Genesis 11, 7 through 8, that is something that when we all look at, it lets us have a clear picture of what's really going on. This verse says, go to. Let us go down. And there confound their language. And they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of the earth. Now, that scripture alone is a company when man and woman were all together and they had one speech. Everyone understood each other. And obviously, in this state, it wouldn't take long for us all to discover exactly how to pinpoint the most high's energy. Then, this God of the Bible, which is clearly different than the Creator at this point, goes down and confuses man. So, we have been trained to accept such things. And when you break that yoke, you see the deception. We have to come together as strong spirits and set straight the heresy and the limitation of our species by these beings that are not the majority, even in might and strength. A tiny atom contains the power of a thousand on. How many do you think are inside of you? They are countless. It starts first with knowing, and then you will gain exactly what to do. You will gain exactly what to do from the position that you're in right now. Meaning that if you think Personally, because the gods tend to strike fear into individuals and they think, well, you know, this, per this God is all-powerful. There's an atom that's inside of your body that is all-powerful, too. And there's so many of them, they're countless. So as long as we keep limiting who we are, of course there's going to be someone there that's willing to reign over us and tell us what to do and things of that nature. But again, what's inside of us is exactly what's inside of them. We have to gain the ability of how to graduate and to use it, but that first comes with us accepting at least that main fact, that we have that same thing and not looking to it as it has something that you don't. This story is that of confusion. At the time literally marked when the God of the Bible decided that man had reached beyond his preconceived limitations in pure connection with everything and everyone. What could only be next could be, could be of course, total unity with the creator. If everyone was on, like you could see that in the world right now, if we all spoke the same language, which is happening again, and we were all in unity and we were building together, meaning that we were talking and communicating, and there were, that's it. We would reach the creator in no time. 
And this is a very important, I said this is a very important moment to point out as it is, uh, it is about to happen again. We are all beginning to speak one language once more. We want to, we want to be free and whole. We want the animals to be free and whole also. And most importantly, we want our planet to be free and whole. So what we are on the brink of will, will, will hit, so what are we on the brink of here, I say? What are we actually on the brink of? Will history repeat itself or will we be much more prepared this time? There's a lot of evidence that history keeps repeating itself. However, the state in which mankind is in now, like I talked about in the book, I'm sure they say every single previous existence got utterly eradicated, but how do we really know? There could be, and it shows a lot of evidence of, that there's a point in existence where many people go into ascension before the cleansing process that the Earth goes into. That time is actually now, and we're, what we're doing is we're removing the things that are, would allow us to wait or to manifest the reality of destruction for us to get the power back to manifest the reality in which we choose, not what someone else is telling us. I said the danger they face of the common language. This is the danger they face of the common language, which has now become the computer. If everyone is now available to see that we have all been told the same story, no matter how much we have been told it is different, special, or unique to our particular chosen race, it's not true. Right now, with enough Google, MySpace, Facebook, and everything, we see what everyone's talking about, what everyone's blogging about, what everyone thinks is the truth. It's all the same thing. No one's chosen in, in that group. Basically, there's no one there that, that, that has some high uh, uh, level of difference from the other person. So we find out we're all the same. So I'm going to finish this off here very briefly. I know we have 37 minutes left. Um, uh, do we have anyone uh, that's called in or in the chat just so that I don't uh, ignore them? Uh, yeah, we do have an individual in the chat room, area code 254. If you uh, have a question, you have to put your hand up by pressing 1. So, and also anyone in the chat room, any questions, just type it and uh, we'll put it in the queue. Okay, and uh, what we'll do is uh, we'll see if that caller uh, goes ahead and press 1 if they want to call in, but we'll take those questions around the last 10 minutes of the show, uh, as long as I don't finish this before then. Um, basically, and also, if anyone is logging on, you can go to www.matrixunderground.com. That's where uh, all of this is already documented, and you can read through it much later and at your own pace. And also, our, our website is www.resistance2010.com. That is where we are hosting the, the social network currently, and there's a plethora of information there and a library there also, thousands of books. Uh, well, actually, there's hundreds in there now, but that will allow you to understand and understand more of what's happening, and that way you don't have to take anyone's word for it. You can go and do your own research with the actual documentation. Finishing off here, I say the danger that they face with the common language of the computer is that everyone is now available to see that we have all been told the same story. No religious story is played more than the crucified Savior story, the death of the enlightened man or human. This is the birth and death of an externalized God who is ever masquerading around as the creator, but is yet to fully comprehend its endless potential. Meaning that as long as we're looking to something else that is in the state in which they're showing us that this, this, this is what we're supposed to be, we'll never understand the endless potential of the creator. I said, let us examine some similarities that exist across the board. 
One shall rule over twelve is their concept. Jesus over twelve disciples. Serpent over all mammals. Notice how there is no snake in all the animals of the zodiac, but it is one of the most revered animals in ancient lore. There's twelve disciples, twelve tribes, twelve months, twelve judges, twelve patriarchs, twelve princes. Twelve princes. You have Ninus and Semiramis. After the zeitgeist, many believe that the whole story itself is astrological, but it is much more than that. And seeing it as such takes one even further away from the truth. When millions of people believe it, believe in something, it has enough strength with that alone and manifest from the ether. After the movie Zeitgeist, many people looked at the Jesus story as simply just a chronological, astrological event. But it is a lot more than that. They did crack the surface on certain things as far as symbolism, but there are, these beings are very much active on the dimension. It's not just some, uh, astrological, uh, readout. I said, so the story is in itself, it's one that many accept, attempt to emulate to raise themselves as gods. Because this is a prototype that many people are familiar with and it's also in the astrological signs, many men use this particular method uh, to deify themselves, to say that they came and, 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 and risen and were persecuted, etc., and use the same prototype and then just change the name. If they can find willing vessels to worship and believe them, they can live on, they can live on in a person's mind and be just as real as me and you. It is a fact that the entire matrix exists within the mind. It is very real. The term illusion should only be used to determine if whether you are awake or asleep in the experience. This method of deification has now been monopolized, and rather than one believing and tapping into their own interconnection, they are directed to believe in some animalistic, externalized God who craves control over beings who know no better. These people have no clue of what's going on, and the beings keep them as such. They have no interest in telling you about chakra centers or any of that, and that's why it wasn't encased in the Bible. I will bring up a certain fact. King Minus is the, st the strongest prototype of this founder king god by divine idea, the divine right, the divine right idea. Next week I'll have pictures, and it's just interesting. As we saw all the pictures, you really start to realize that you're dealing with the same being. This reflects on how uh, many kings of history have been named derivatives of Minus. This is Minis of Egypt, Manus of Germany, Manu of India. Basically, they're all war, war gods. And it talks about in the, in the Hebrew about the Hebrews in the Bible. They wanted a king. They were wanting a king, and they no longer wanted to associate with the Creator inside of them. And they said, "Well, put a king over us." And they wanted something basically external to rule over them. And so they were given Saul. Now, when you look at that that uh, name, actually in Kabbalah, it actually is Sal, which translates to serpent, just as in the word salamander. So basically. Actually, uh, I don't know if we're still. On, I, I think we're still online. I don't know. I, I don't know if we might have connected, disconnected, son. Here, let me uh, take. A I'm, moment we're on. We're on. Okay, son. Uh, I thought you had sent me a message and said. Uh, okay, do you have a hand up? Uh, I thought you said no, there was no, a we, hang up. We okay, have, let's, we let's, have let's, a hand up on. Yeah. Okay, let's let's go ahead and take the call. There's only a little bit left in this. And um, actually, let me see. How much time do we actually have left, son? Because there is a portion of this that I wanted to cover before I take that call. We have uh, 30 minutes remaining. Okay, let me uh, go ahead and just finish this since we're so close to the end and of the actual document, and then I'll go ahead and take the call. And uh, once again, next week, we'll go ahead and do an interactive show on this. 
and it will be animated and people will be able to see a lot more closer. But this will also be up until then so people can actually examine it for themselves, bring more questions about it because this is something I believe that doesn't need to be done in one show. This is something that needs to get thoroughly understand so no one gets the wrong idea of exactly what's being said. So I, I talk about, uh, as you see, Minos, the he's the son of Zeus. He bears a remarkable resemblance to Saturn and Cronus and many of these bearded gods. One should begin marking the trail now. Saturn, Cronus, Zeus, all these deities from the Greek pantheon are related to the serpent, not only by their own imagery, but also because the, they all come from Uranus. This is the destruction of the brazen serpent. As it states in the esoteric lore, Uranus is Uraeus, or the fire-spitting serpent. He is the father of all of them, so thus if he is a serpent, the rest of his offspring would be at least half serpent. This is by far not, e not enough time to explain IAO, Abraxas 365, the gods that go by the symbol of the rooster, and how Jesus Ben Panther relates to all this. I will state, off, as all, I always do, to say every serpent is bad is just as silly as saying all men are good. Christianity, however, has some of the heaviest ties to the serpent, but represents itself as having nothing to do with the serpent. Nothing can be more of a deception than to make people hate the serpent and then slightly make them worship it. And when they find out such things, if they ever do, they are generally taken aback and they go into extreme denial regardless of the facts. Even worse is in most cases they just agree to worship the serpent. A sad lot they are. Numbers 21 and 8. And the Lord said to Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it up on a pole, and it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when looketh upon it, shall live. Moses is instructed to raise up the Nehushtan, or the brazen serpent, or the copper serpent, or the copper snake, so all that look upon it can be healed. Silently, this is the entry of Jesus, as he would in many books later be raised upon a tree for people to look upon him and be slaved. But, of course, all believe in Jesus has no relations to the serpent. That's what they love to say. All, of, all these people that believe Jesus say no relation to the serpent. That's false. And it only exists in the belief systems of those not in the know. The pew writers that never examine what the priests are up to and whence their power comes. They are just as dangerous because it is their energy being used to fuel the war that is not so silent but taking place on the opposite side of the globe right now. In addition, Christianity continues to pretend that it is in no direct offense to other belief systems and their corresponding gods. They tell their members that they use the gentle method of conversion. In the meantime, much worse things than the Crusades are taking place on the spiritual world, as many, any real adept has seen the deepest magic books are riddled with the names of Jesus as the source of energy to powers, powerful spells. This is the cult of Isu under the logos of Logi, IHS, and Enri. Revelations ends with the new Zion in which the so-called elite are chosen and raised into the sky into a new Jerusalem that sits above earth. It is from this location they imagine they will watch the chaos and torment that was prophesied about earth. Of course, it has been prophesied by them and also conducted by them acting in place of their God. They have already proclaimed he acts through them, but in all actuality, it's really them, just like the Pope. This means that all the silly believers who never do what the Bible tells them anyway will be manifesting their own destruction out of guilt and shame to a very, to very low vibration. This prediction is not overturned. If this prediction is not overturned, in reality, it is Agenda 21, depopulation. There's a one missing here. Praying and worshiping for horrible deaths they are. If they are not warned to cease such insolence, all these believers 
want in the last days that is all they want is the manifesting of the end of the world. They always talk about the end of the world and constantly manifesting the last days. So now it's upon them and they are not prepared because they were misinformed. And this has happened because they have been subconsciously judging everyone but themselves. Because you notice the main trait of this religion is to judge every single other religion as false and that they're going to go to hell. And the person spends so much time doing that, they never realize that they created the hell that they're going to be going to. It doesn't have to happen. It is clear unless someone drastically changes this mode of ideology, there will be carnage. But again, that is for those who are choosing to believe in such things during the greatest era of manifestation ever. The key to this age is whatever you imagine will happen for you. It will happen. This is why they constantly work at attempting to guide people's thoughts. Manifest greatness, greatness and that's what you'll be. Manifest servitude, and you, will be, and, there will, and you will see that there are endless controllers vying for your energy. Do something that is going to increase you. In the end of this, I say this is what I propose. I'm more than sure the Most High can see behind, beyond, one, that Vistika, I am the sky. Two, the binary way to this world juxtaposed in its masculine and feminine fractal. Three, the movement of the hermetic grape. Four, the side world space of no time. Five, the hive mind places of cells. Six, the carbon in the faces of the perception. Eight, actually seven. <laughs> Eight, that journey to the center of the earth. Nine, the Anunnaki cyclic phase. Ten, the Omega machine and the droids of zero one. So with that being said, I will see all of this with my own eyes and my own aura, and there is a path that can be forged beyond it. I've seen this, these different systems and how they exist and what they lead to. This path has grown overdue. Uh, it has been grown overdue to lack of use, and we plan to make a highway on this path, and you are more than welcome to join us. As I talked about in the beginning, this is a path that's very seldom traveled as the person empowering themselves and becoming beyond gods and ideas of that type of thing and get closer to the creator. But we can make a super highway down this path where it doesn't have to be so rare that a person gets a chance to travel it. I say if someone says impossible, you, you should understand it as according to my limited experience and narrow understanding of reality, that's very unlikely. Meaning that when anyone says impossible to you, that's because of their limited understanding of exactly what's going on here. So, son, we'll go ahead and uh, take that call well, with this last 15 minutes of the show. Okay. Uh, area code 254, I'm going to unmute you. Please tell us your name and uh, where you're from and then uh, your question. Hello? Yes. Hello, yes. Um, my name is Denise, and I'm actually from Georgia. And um, I just want to say greetings to all who are listening and greetings to uh, you tonight who um hosting the show. It's actually a very uh, good show. Um, my question is actually about um, going from this uh, third dimension to the fifth dimension. I'm not too sure about that. I keep hearing about the uh, the different dimensions here. And I'm I'm sorely I'm I'm not too new to this. I've actually been following uh these ideas and uh this knowledge of and if you could touch a little bit on that and then I have my next question after that. 
Okay, I'm, I'm hoping that, uh, that you can actually hear me because I'm, I'm seeing a little breaking up in the call. So am I coming through clear? Yeah. Okay, basically, my, when I started studying Euclidean mathematics and looking at the dimensions and exactly how they're lined up, I'm not convinced personally that fifth dimension, that we're going from third to fifth dimension and this type, of this type of nature. In fact, I think that the highest, what fifth dimension really is, is according to, like a lot of my work supports that the body itself is somehow generated. And it's set up into a, a, a pentagram, as you see with the head, the arms, and the legs. But that's still totally different to the spirit. And so the idea of fifth dimension that most people have in their mind is that it's the perfected human. And this may be true, but we're not just all human. In fact, most of what we are is spirit. And so what I believe is, is that there's like a, um, there's a level that everyone's going to end up going to anyway, even the people that are actually unconscious and that just have to get moved to another dimension anyway. It's just like those that are not really pursuing how to get into higher levels and higher paths, but they do have to be relocated. It is possible that that place that they're going to be relocated is fifth dimension. Personally, when I look at dimensions from the mathematics and how they present the mathematics on the dimension, what I see is that no matter which dimension that you get to, there's going to be some level of control according to their geometry. And it, at a certain point when, when certain faculties start opening and when you start becoming perceptive of different shapes and things, you notice that those shapes at times, are, they look more like mandalas. They're completely different than the sacred geometry that's presented as the past and the, the signs of certain dimensions. Like if you just look at one of the Tibetan uh, sand art and you look at when they draw what their perception of the dimension is versus when some, uh, some occultist draws his perception, it's two different things. And so what I believe is, is that there is a rising that's taking place to unlimited potential. It's basically how high you can set your ideas of where you need to go. And I personally wouldn't uh, set it to a dimension, any of these numbers. Because, like, what I did in the last part of this is I mentioned a little hint to what each cycle or what each number really corresponds to. But the number is, is somewhat of a master language itself. It's something that was given to us as a way to, to reflect on certain things. And so I would, it would, me personally, I can't say if a person says, well, I want to go to the seven, seven dimensions, and that's, you know, on them. If they say, I want to go to the fifth dimension, that's on them. They can also count on that there is something there because those dimensions tend to be very traveled and, and set up in somewhat of a fractal of, of this one. So basically, um, it, it's by design? Like, um, what, what, what dimension that you end up in? Right. It's, it's well, I, I personally believe that there's, there's an active and an inactive person. The inactive person is going to be in that design or destiny. They're going to be going down a path that's pretty much already grooved out for them. But the person that is active, they pretty much forge their own way because no one, they, they have a, a, a basic guideline of how things work, but they begin to use that guideline only as a building block to, to create their own. It's like it's like a buffet after a while where you take what is the highest level of things and then you leave the rest because that's all you really want to associate with your higher level of thinking. It's like, yeah, these stars and things, they do travel to certain dimensions, but when you close your eyes at times or you can see sometimes and visualize what a three-dimensional star looks like, 
you understand how much more, like in the video um, ley lines and pentagrams, you understand how much more the mind is capable of visualizing. So basically what I'm saying is that they're saying, here's the fifth dimension, here's the shape for the fifth dimension, and I'm looking at that, and I'm knowing that's really basic because I've been in dimensions before. Then I can say, well, fifth dimension, we have really a lot more potential than that, so do we need to be going back down dimensions? You see what I mean? It's like there's dimensions, there's planes, there's expanses, there are the bits. What they're using is one turn to determine whether you're going to go up or down, but it was to my understanding that dimensions meant you were going lower, and so you go from fifth, fifth dimension, fourth dimension, third, second, first, and then you leave dimensions, and then you go in a plane. You see what I mean? And that's how you're supposed to get higher. And that's really what, what, uh, what's been lost, or heaven, that's what's really been lost within the esoteric world is that a lot of the terms are being confused. So when a person says, well, I want to go to fifth dimension, and they probably should have said, well, I want to go to fifth plane, just within their mind alone, because of our confusion with what's going on with the language, like I was talking about in this publication, we have to have a broader understanding to, uh, to just say, basically, I'm going to set my mind out there to the highest that it can go. I'm not going to limit it. Okay. So it's confusing as in regression instead of progression. Right, because, who, because what, what we're showing evidence of is that going into the dimension itself doesn't equal the person gets more control over themselves in a heightened sense. It seems as if the person is basically being hijacked in certain, in certain times of messing with this geometry that, that's prevalent. And so, but what I've seen, though, is that there's still a big difference between Western sacred geometry and the Eastern sacred geometry. Like theirs tends to be a lot more embroidered. Theirs tends to not carry any straight lines. Theirs tends to be very vivid images that can be seen on a three-dimensional projection. So basically, we're getting, for better lack of words, the white bread of esoteric knowledge in the Western mysticism, and it just leaves things so open. That's why it doesn't really work for most people and they end up imagining that the power is within the gods instead of themselves. Okay. Okay. And um, the, the one more question I just wanted to ask about, it's um, I was just reading through the Bible because I, I tend to go back and forth um, from time to time because there's new things that I find out about it. And um, Matrix, of, of course, you know, with the movie coming out, it's, it's been out for quite a while. I went, and I was uh, just the other day looking through Exodus, and I, I saw this word matrix there, and it kind of was like, wow. Like, wow. Is, is, Are you mean uh, seeing the word matrix in the Bible? Right. I, only, only after I went back and saw the movie like a couple of times that I actually realized that I saw the word there, and I was kind of wondering, like, is that a word that would be used? In, in the Bible, like, um, well, if people really want to know, because that you know, we there's there's a lot into that. You know, we may have to get into another show, but basically, what what's going on is that the language in which is being used, where the Bible was interpreted from, was a language that seemed to be in itself intelligent, almost the computer generated, and the future could be read with the language, and that's what this whole Da Vinci Code and the Kabbalah is really all about. Even though they're not even giving people an idea of what's happening, which is that man has discovered a system of how to pretty much manifest certain things through basically a procedure. And that procedure gets people when they believe upon things and they just say certain things. It's like a, it's a programming. And 
that's really what you're looking at within the Bible is that what they were discovering is that it had things of the future in it that obviously the computers from the future could put together. Even they were saying this also about the Quran and the Quran being numerically equivalent to the number 19, they were saying even now that no computer could do something like that, but a computer of the future could. So basically, when, when I look into what, the, what they're really doing in the, uh, in the Kabbalah and, and what they're doing with psionics, which is the projection of the mental strength by using uh, a certain type of external device that can, uh, that can strengthen your, your actual idea, they are fully in control of mastering the dimensions through their mind, or what's called a mastermind. The, the goal is, is to completely mine. It's like they're digging into the human, each person's mind to completely assimilate it. They want in each person's mind, like they say in the Bible, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. They have an idea of that taking place with everyone's mind. Now, you can break out of this easy, but of course most people are going into the opposite direction. They're becoming more and more dependent. So the moment that they happen, because they're depending on their thoughts and everything now, it's no originality. They're depending on the icons. And that's another thing I want to make sure it comes across is that what you see going on with a lot of the industry and the icons is that they've all been prepared for this point, and that's why they're starting to do so much occult stuff. Like all through their history, yeah, you could see a little initiations and things like that, but never this strong. But right now they're leading masses of people, individuals like Eric Badu, leading masses of people into occultations and the Crowleyism, which is, you know, the worst kind of Satanism. So understanding a lot of this stuff comes in degrees. And what we're really faced with at this point is rearming ourselves real quick with the knowledge. But the main thing for us to do is to get present really fast, to treat this as it's actually important, because that's what actually makes you go and get the right type of knowledge that you need to get. And then from that point, the Most High really does the rest. It knows how to bring you to the people and around the things that you need to have and get rid of the certain things, because that's really what happened with me. I was deeply in error in my understanding, and I was willing to accept that and also to relinquish the power in which I had gained through that in order for me to get the power that was exclusive to what's inside of me, which is the only way that a person can really connect with the Creator. Okay. Okay. Well, thank um, you. I thank you for your... Thanks a lot for, for calling in and, and with the great questions. I'm going to mute your phone now, and I, we have uh, 12 minutes left, and one more caller, I think, and I'm going to unmute your phone, just uh, state your name, where you're from, and your question. You're on? Hello? Yes. Okay. My question is, with the dreams, um, I've had dreams, and I don't know, I don't know if they have machines out there that can erase dreams, but it seemed like when I was younger, I could remember my dreams, and now that I'm older, it's like I have real important dreams. It's like I wake up and like they totally gone. I just want to know what can I find? Is there books or what can I find that will put me in power with how to, you know, manifest my my dream power? You know, because I know we travel, you know, from this physical plane in the dream realm. I'm just trying to find out more information of how to use my dreams to to help me, you know? For, you know for what a I mean? person that, Yeah, for a person that's extremely disconnected from the dream world, meaning if a person experiences being extremely disconnected from the dream world, meaning they can't really remember anything, first thing they're going to have to do is realize they're going to have to go into a, a mode called brute force. Brute force mode is when you have to really do everything to get those faculties back turned on because it's either been something in the diet, 
something in the level of thinking, something that's been causing the, the pineal gland not to really be active. So what's happening is, is that the projection itself or what's happening in the dream is not making the right connection, so you can't remember. So let me explain this in another way. If you, some people, they, some people smoke marijuana. Marijuana does hinder the being able to remember dreams. So the only way you can brute force something like, so let me, let me finish explaining. So the only way you can brute force something like that is to write down every single little thing that you can actually remember until you actually, basically you're hard coding your mind. Now they have another device that actually flashes a red light every time you go on an REM and these are called lucid sleeping goggles. So there's, you might want to get in touch with us on the site. There's different ways in which to get back in that world, but the main thing is to understand how you're going to have to use that brute force. You're going to have to start covering your, have, make sure your room is completely dark. You're going to have to start covering your eyes because they're light sensitive, at least if you're not going to use the, uh, the, the goggles, which, you know, you can use the covering of the eyes. You're going to have to make sure you write this stuff down even a little bit. You remember, because then what happens is that as you get more interested in that world, the brain starts to switch which world is the primary reality. And, after, and then there was a time in which I completely lived in the dream world because I wasn't leaving the room at all. Like I was spending a lot of time in one small room. So the thing is, is that the mind now has, it doesn't want to be in that little small room. So it'll go and it, it'll use the inner mind to go somewhere else. But as long as you have a lot of external things going on and, uh, and you're not using the brute force method, there'll be some cloudiness there. But when you start doing things like wearing the earplugs, putting on the, uh, the, 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 the eye covers and, and things like that, where you're doing more in the in the Gotocola to get the the, uh, the cola to get the pineal gland softened up. When you're doing stuff like that, that's when you're using so many methods. Once you start remembering your dream, you don't really know what what made it happen, which of course is the best way, also because it allows you just to adapt to it naturally faster. Yeah, okay. Because I recently did smoke a lot of marijuana, but I've stopped for like I've been it's been 30 days now. And it's like I've been having more detailed dreams, and, uh, I mean, they felt so real, you know, I, I felt that I was there. And when I woke up, it was like, it felt like I was still there. So well, I, I feel you on that, you know, that note. And um, I just was wondering, um, would you, uh, could you prescribe any uh, books I could read that, that go more in detail about learning about, um, you know, can controlling or harnessing that power of the, of the chakras and the, and the dream states and, and, the, and, and the dimensions, because I'm real interested in that, but I don't really know what to check out, you know. I was lucky right. to find, which I want to say, you know, thank you for putting this information out, because a lot of people are awake in this time, so thank you for that. Oh, man, the pleasure is ours, brother. Basically, what, I, what I'll do is I'll create a suggestive reading list, because it will be more than one book. And then I'll put that up in, in a post on the site. And then, uh, and then that'll get you a little bit more closer to some of the things that you can do. But basically understand, brother, like the, the mind is the most powerful thing. And like I, I, I'm talking about all this stuff from, from the level of already doing the experiment. Like I did the experiment with marijuana. I've seen how it clouds the dreams after a month. And you know, that, well, I'm not even after a month, but after about three days, the dreams don't, you can't really, they're not as clear. But then, you know, you take a break from it for like a month or two, the dreams are crystal clear again. Then there, I realized that there was a brute force method. So a lot of, a lot of things that I've, I've written down, I've documented. So that way, 
we can answer everyone's question and say, this is actually the experiment. Yeah, someone was in there and we had them smoking weed. We said, okay, what's up with your dreams? And we have more people to talk to because we have the resistance. So there's at least two, there's about 2,000 people out there active and at least 50,000 people inactive that are just ready to, ready to, uh, do their thing. And that's why, you know, we only got seven minutes left and brother, I'll, I'll definitely keep you in line, but I do want to say a couple of things in the last seven minutes. I really want to say that this is what this is all about. This is all about the youth. This is all about offering something that is such uh, in high demand for the minds that are that are uh, that are coming into this world. It's like, what will we really do if our kids get old enough and they have this kind of foolishness, like what I was just explaining today with this whole Jesus uh, Cristo, but. If this keeps going on, it's always going to keep the mind limited, like David Icke calls it the prison religions. If this keeps going on, then there's never going to be any true potential in our reality. We have amazing inventions. There's no reason why we should have population situations or anything of that nature. We could build places in the sky if we really were doing what we were supposed to be doing. That's what people need to really understand. They're just these these people have no solutions anymore. They're like like I said, they're like one on the movie night. They have one way of doing things, and they don't know any other way, and it's now time for them to move out the way. And there's no one that can do that besides, one, the mental power. Like, we don't have to, we don't have to march anywhere. We don't have to do anything of that nature. The mental power of, the, uh, of everyone understanding exactly what they can turn on and exactly what they can do is what starts to spread everywhere, and that's the only thing that's going to change stuff. The only thing that's going to change stuff is that everyone knows, and you've got to keep telling them until something that they hear, something in particular, is what rings for them. And they're like, okay, actually, man, I want to know more about that. Don't think it's going to be the first thing, and don't think it's going to be what you even were interested in, but you just have to keep letting them know, because as far as the collective is the humanity is concerned, that's our only hope. But it's good that this mission is twofold. You can still work on yourself, which is what's required first, work on you before you try to do things for others. Work on yourself and get yourself enhanced. And that's what's really available on the site. It's not just what's going on, but also the solution to what's going on. So I'm going to let uh, Son go ahead and take us out of here or tell us how much time we have left. And uh, We have four minutes. Four minutes left. Okay, so we have four minutes remaining, and uh, I want to—I definitely wanted to say thank you to all the members of the resistance that have contributed to the resistance and helped us stay intact. And um, we're definitely ready to roll out more. We got the new book coming, and uh, we definitely have another thing bolting onto the Matrix Underground with allowing it to uh, uh, to flourish. And even we're could, we're, we're working on a way to actually pay resistance members by giving them a job so that they can spend most of their time studying and doing what they want to do and then just a little bit of time on the computer doing something very fast and then they can go back to work again. I mean, we'll go back to work on enhancing themselves, not working for someone's boss. So that's really uh, what we're doing. And I think that this is totally different than anything I've seen presented out there. And as I always say, if you don't see the portal, be the portal. And that's what this is really all about. We're coming together. We're alive. We're active. We're saying it like it needs to be said. We're not afraid. It, death is but the entrance. And I'll tell people this because that's where their fear lies within all this stuff. Oh, if I say the wrong thing, if I do the wrong thing, I'm going to tell you something. You can't live like that. You can't live in this world always afraid of what's going to happen and these elite and their money and their collapses, and that's all that's built for. But when we come together and we show that we have that spiritual power back intact, 
watch how the Most High comes through because it's been coming through and that's why I'm being allowed to speak. People are being allowed right now to hear things that were never really heard before. It may take a little time to, to digest, and sometimes I may not present it as well. Sometimes I may be a little bit uh, uh, aloof because it does take a lot to be contemplating this stuff and still remain in this level of thinking and even being able to talk sometimes because you're constantly getting your mind blown. But I'm here, and I'm here for everyone else that's in the resistance because that's what we all are. We're here together. So uh, so I'm going to go ahead and take a silence, any wholeness and balance vibration to everyone.